not what we see And even now believe that it's not real and only a
Let me bring you songs from the woods To make you feel much better than you could know Better than you could Dust know Dust you down from tip to toe Dust you down from tip to toe Show you how the garden grows Show you how the garden grows Hold you steady as you go Hold steady as you join the chorus if you can It'll make of you an honest man Let me bring you love from the fields Poppies, red and roses filled with summer rain To heal the wound and still the pain The threatens again and again As we drag down every lover's lane Lifelong celebrations here I'll toast you all Let me bring you all picture boys Gallyhides, lute songs served in chilling ale Greetings well met fellow hail I am the winter fill your sail I am the frost to take your nail A singer of these ageless times With kitchen pros and gutter rhymes Let me bring you love from the fields Poppies, red and roses filled with summer rain To heal the wound and still the pain 
We're going to be moving along with Jethro Tull. That last piece was from Songs from the Wood, 1976. We're going to go back to 1971 to the classic monumental Aqualung. This is from the second side, Mother Goose. You are listening to MutinyRadio.fm.
And the graven image, you know who, who with his plastic crucifix. He's got him fixed. Confuses me as to who and where and why. After how he gets his kicks. Confessing to the endless sin, the endless winding sounds. 
When you've fallen awake And you take stock of the new day And you hear your voice croak As you choke on what you need to say Well, don't you fret, don't you fear I will give you good cheer Life's a long song Life's a long song Life's a long song If you wait, then you play it I will feel As the verses unfold And your soul suffers the long day And the twelve o'clock bloom spins the room You struggle on your way Well, don't you sigh, don't you cry Lick dust from your eye Life's a long song Life's a long song Life's a long song We will meet in the sweet light of dawn As the Baker Street train your pain all over your new dress And the symphony sounds on the ground But you wanted you to rest Well, don't you squeal as the heel Grinds you under the wheels Life's a long song Life's a long song Wondering aloud how we feel today. Last night set the sunset, my hand in her hair. We are our own start both our hearts beating life into each other wondering aloud will the years treat us well 
floats in the kitchen. I'm tasting the smell. Yes. Up toast as the butter runs, then she comes spilling crumbs on the bed. And I shake my head. And later I'm out where the laser worms shouting for more. I giving himself completely.
wandered through quiet lands, felt the first breath of the snow. Searched for the last pigeon, slate gray, I've been told. Stumbled on a daffodil, which she crushed in the rush, heard it sigh. At once felt remorse and were touched by the loss of our own. Held its poor broken head in her hands, dropped some tears in the snow. And it's only the taking that makes you. Meanwhile, back in the year one, when you belong to no one, you didn't stand a chance, son. If your pants were undone, 'cause you were bred for humanity. And sold to society. One day you'll wake up in the present day, a million generations removed from expectations of being who you really want to be. Skating away, skating. Push off from the shore. Won't you turn your head once more? 
and make your peace with everyone. But those who choose to stay will live just one more day to do the things they should have done. And as you cross the wilderness, spending in your emptiness, you feel you have to pray. Looking for a sign that the universe on my hands has written you into the passion play. Across the circle line, when the Oswald reads behind, you're a rabbit on the run. And the silver splendors fly in the corner of your eye, shining in the setting sun. Well, do you ever get the feeling that the stories do them real and in the present?
That was the third hurrah from 1974's War Child album. We're still deep into two hours of Jethro Tull. The classic years, 1970 to 1976. Perhaps a little longer. We're going to move into his truly truly romantic balladeer folk prog territory. This was Minstrel in the Gallery. This is Old Wind to Valhalla. One's called Old Wind. Here 
Come, let me play with you, black satin dancing. In all you give and give is the answer. Tearing life from limp and looking sweeter.
Come, let me play with you. Come, black satin dancer. In all you're giving, give is the answer.
Make a bottle for all I can Put your weight on me And set the big me to the heart Desperate more And as a salt upon the mountain Little man is used to the fountain Overcrowded as the counting Vernacular of the bus Pretending getting close To where he came from In the doorway Bulging, the rest of the left eye bulging. The rain goes out of the years, wedding man gives fears, shedding them tears. In the pocket of her resistance, international assistance, loving a generous and cold, the Jewish never ready to pull the sign over. Sells cheap radios. And there's a cheap, no bed, no bread, no butter. On a double yellow line, where she can park anytime. All the lady great crash Barry Walton. Simone, son's mother, Baker Street casualty. Oh, Mr. Policeman, Lucia Valley Master, feet and sticking plaster, move the old lady on. Strange part the Dutch Romeo to her Juliet 
I'm a one band
That was Summer Day Sands from Minstrel in the Gallery. We have been listening to two hours of Jethro Tull from their peak years of 1970 to 1976. The peak years of Prague Rock, as a matter of fact. It's funny how they overlap. My name is Perkins Warbeck the 23rd, last in the line of the Plantagenet dynasty, and the next holder of the English throne. Inshallah. I'm going to be passing this over to Carly at 8 o'clock, and she will be having a wonderful extravaganza with all sorts of zany and wackiness for your listening pleasure. You have been listening to The Gates of Delirium, two hours of the best of progressive rock and roll from the Western Hemisphere. Here at MutinyRadio.fm, we are very thankful for your continued support. Mutiny Radio is the beating heart of the Mission District in all ways, politically, economically, culturally, aesthetically, and just in terms of sheer badassery. Mutiny Radio, 
love it and donate. Thank you very much. It sounds country, man, that's what it is. It's a country song. Yeah, okay. Where one, two, three, four, two, three, four. Busted flat and Baton Rouge and heading for the trains. Feeling nearly faded as my jeans. 
Bobby thumbed the diesel down just before it rained. Took us all away to New Orleans. I took my harpoon out of my dirty red bandana and was blowing sad while Bobby sang the blues. With them windshield wipers slapping time and Bobby clapping hands, we finally sang a failed song that driver knew. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Nothing ain't worth nothing, but it's free. Feeling good was easy, Lord, when Bobby sang the blues. Feeling good was good enough for me. Good enough for me and Bobby. We're going to test this. We'll turn. Test. Which one is that? Okay. So now you know, this is four. Okay. A little beaten. Test, 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 test. Three.
sometimes I live in the country, and it's sometimes I live in the town, and it's sometimes I take a full notion to jump in the river and drown. And it's play then, Willie, poor boy, and it's why don't you play for the one that I love so dearly has gone square back. Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's an acronym. It stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey. Whoa, hi. How you doing? Oh, it's hi. Mike I'm Spiegelman and Carl and... Oh, yes. We have a very special guest. My brother, Adam Spiegelman, returns to our show. Hi, Adam. Hey, girl. Hey, hey girl. Hey. My brother has one of the best podcasts still in distribution. You can find it at Proudly Resents. A really good cult movie uh, podcast and a big influence on this show. So, hello, welcome back, Adam. Oh, thanks for having me, and uh, good to meet you, Mike. Is it Spiegelman or Spiegelman? It's Spiegelman. <laughs> oh, I okay, would... good. And I'm really Carl... excited to have you. Maybe we won't have a celebrity comedian countdown today. Are we having a celebrity comedian countdown today? Oh, uh, whatever you want to do. I have right. them in my back pocket. We don't need to do it. We have Adam. Apparently, yes. I'm neither a celebrity nor a comedian. A comedian. Can you count right. out? I. Sure, from where? It depends from where. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> we we are right now streaming first on mutinyradio.fm. It is the internet radio station based in San Francisco and broadcasts around the world. So, hello world. Get our podcast, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's why we say the acronym up front. Find the podcast and at your leisure, listen to the podcast and watch the movie at the same time. Maybe you're even lazier. We have a YouTube channel, Carl. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Moderate. Sinks. And uh, he actually syncs the movie with the podcast, so you don't I'm have to curator. do that extra step. And you can watch it anytime at LW. At your leisure, leisure, not leisure. At your leisure. That word is so banal. <laughs> <laughs> Did I pronounce that word right? Uh, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T is our YouTube channel. So we want you to like someone and smash them. Not not anything related. Carl, what is the movie we're watching this week? We will watch this week. We're watching Brooke Shields again. It's our third movie. 
Brenda Starr. Okay, Brenda Starr, 1989. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine. Brenda, you know how to spell that. Stars with two R's, 1989. And then it goes on to say what? It says Brooke Shields and... Um, but Dalton. anyway, you will find the channel that is Gamer. Something Gamer. That's your channel. It's I-R-S-Y-A-D. Syad Ur-Syad Gamer is the channel we like. Brenda Starr, 2Rs, 1989. All right. Sounds good. Let's take it from Carl. Go find Brenda Starr, 1989. That's the one with Brooke Shields. Dad. Think Gamer is uh, hosting it for us. Find the link, click it, hit pause, move it the timer to zero, zero, zero. And now, without further ado, Carl, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Kathleen Wilhoyt. Welcome, Kathleen. So today we're watching Brenda Starr, 1986, and this is why we have you on... You were playing the character Hank O'Hare. This character is very, very masculine, you know? Was that fun for you? How did you feel about it? I mean, you're in a suit and tie, right? Well, I'll just tell you, I was on a roll at the time. I was getting cast in a lot of things. I even looked at an old interview where I actually said the words, getting acting jobs has never been very difficult for me which is so not far from the truth today. <laughs> I, I, I was shocked. It was an interview I did for CNN. And, that, and I would say that Brenda Starr was amidst a series of gigs that I just got cast in without auditioning, which to me is the gold star of an acting career. If you don't audition for something, it's just fantastic. I mean, to me, it's the greatest thing in an actor's yeah. life. Like, you, you know, of course, people who don't have to audition for uh, for jobs, um, just you can see them just bask in the glow of a fabulous life. And I got to experience that for a brief period in my life, and it was fantastic. So I didn't audition for the part of... Um, Great. Hair. I was cast in it. Um, and I was so, as they say in uh, whatever, full of the beans or whatever, I was so um, just full of myself, I guess. I, don't know. I, I didn't even read the script. I was just like on a plane flying to Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. So I'm reading the script and I was like looking for my part and it was, I, was, I couldn't. I kept having to reread, like, which part am I? I read the script. I was like, I don't know what part I'm supposed to play. I remember I got off the plane. I called my manager. He said, oh, you're playing Hank. I thought, Hank? I thought that was a, like a dude. I don't know what yeah. out of my mind. And then I looked at it in my hotel room. I was like, oh, shit. This is a cartoon movie. So uh, I also have a thing where I can't stand to suck. I can't stand it. Mm -hmm. So I thought, wow, how bizarre that they were like, we got to get Kathleen for this part. But then I just surrendered to it and I was like, you know what? It's kind of awesome to get to play a cartoon character. It's kind of cool. I did some research on it and uh, 
Well, I, actually, at the time, there was no internet, so I guess I didn't do any research on it. The library. Yeah, and I didn't go to the library, but so I just started to try to figure out how to play this role. And I remember I went into makeup and hair, and the makeup person was like, we're going to paint freckles on your face. And yeah. costume people were like, we're going to put a pillbox hat on your head, and then you're going to have a hank of hair that curls up on the pillbox hat. And you smoke a cigar all the time. I was like, oh. And so then I developed, I just went and kind of did a crash course, again, not wanting to suck, and developed my character, um, you know, and the voice. I think I had a voice yeah. in that, hey, you know, Hank O'Hare. And I think I just thought, like, the way to not suck in a cartoon movie is to go broad, be big, own it, don't apologize, and just swan dive into the clown of it all. and. Hope you hope you stick the landing. So that's basically. And you really did. Career. I mean, the clown of it all. Like, uh, like when you're in the hospital scene, uh, like you're you're quirky and you're moving your head around. You're way pronounced and over exaggerating. So I thought you were only in Jacksonville because half of it was shot in Puerto Rico. But I really don't think you're part of that. You were in you were in the the press offices of the Flash. Uh, you were in the hospital scene. I think you had a scene on the street, if I recall. Was it a quick shoot for you? Well, how about this? Because this is a sentence I haven't had the privilege of uttering in since then. I was doing two movies at the same time. I was doing a movie in New Orleans called... Jeez, I don't remember what it was called, but my friend David Nydorf was in it. And mm -hmm. Jennifer Jason Lee. I can't remember what it was called. So I was doing that movie and I was doing Brenda Starr. And I was flying between New Orleans and Jacksonville doing uh -huh. both movies. So I was only in Jacksonville. Never went to Puerto Rico, did you say? Yeah, yeah, they I did. I never went there. Um, and I don't remember anything about it. Well, 1986 was a big year for you. I mean, at least in terms of the releases that came out. I mean, films get shot, of course, before their release, but you had Witchboard. You also had a movie called The Morning After, which we've also done on our podcast. That was with Jeff Bridges and Jane Fonda. But my, your best thing in 1986 is you were starring your handcuff to Charles Bronson in a great film. I don't know if I'd call it a great film, but it was a Charles yeah. Bronson film. And Charles Bronson is amazing and cool. And, you know, the thing that's embar that embarrasses me about that is, like, it was um, it was not a realistic script, obviously. Uh -huh. And I feel like at the time, I was in New York doing a play, and people would follow me around sort of going, hey, butthole, hey, you know, like, doing, like, the crazy names of the, mm -hmm. the character was supposed to be like a potty mouth, but it was kind of psychotic because it wasn't any kind of name that anyone would ever call anybody. And again, at being a beggar, not a, a chooser, what beggars can't be choosers. I was happy to have the part and I was happy to work. I didn't, you know, it wasn't, I've never gotten to choose the parts that I play, um, mm -hmm. I, which is really to me the sign of, just enormous success yeah and i still look forward to the day when i get to choose the parts i get to play but right offers. now and back then i was lucky to get what i could get 
I got you. Now, you said you didn't really remember the shoot. I was going to ask you if there's any stories or anecdotes about Brenda Starr, uh, maybe something that, you know, I mean, well, did you speak with Brooke a lot or you don't yeah. know a thing about it or? No, I do. I do. I mean, Brooke is my age, right? She's, I think probably we were born at the, uh, in, in within like two or three years of each other. So at the time we were both in our twenties. Yeah. Um, and I remember seeing her at the hotel and her beauty was otherworldly. Like yeah. I remember going, oh, that's that's a different kind of pretty than I've ever seen in my life. Because her face, she's tall, uh, and she was super famous at the time. Yeah, but it was still Going to like Princeton. remarkable. She was remarkably beautiful, and I thought to myself, I remember consciously thinking to myself, that chick would not be able to have a normal career in some small town in the United States because mm -hmm. her looks were exceptional. And, uh, and then her mother was also a big, big character in the cast and crew. She had a big presence. Her mother was kind of body and she and Brooke had a very, very close uh, relationship. And there was a lot of, I remember people being a little intimidated by her mother. Mm -hmm. um, her mother kind of uh, inserted herself in a lot of the decision-making uh, decision making in the production of the film. And I think at the time, and this is vague, of course, but I think that was really at, at, a, at the beginning of when Brooke was starting to want to take more control of her own career and life mm -hmm. at that time. She was in a, probably in her early 20s, I would suspect. Like, yeah, so she was like 20, 21. Well, I know that she was in college at the time, and we graduate, what, 22, I think, is when you graduate. Yeah. So it must be a young 20. And that's also the time in which you look at your parents and start to rebel. But her mother was a big part of this film even getting made. I mean, she pursued the director, and she was the one who pulled the people together to do the financing and everything. So well, it makes sense that she's, like, large and in charge like that. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, they, she's in the lobby and gesticulating. But I, I found her to be, love, you know, funny. She was always nice to me. I had no, you know, who am I? I'm just a, you know, an actress in the thing. And and um, um, Brooke had like an assistant. She had like two people around her that were our age that were her good friends as well, uh -huh. like assistants or something that she hung out with. But I was also going through my own kind of self-destructive, you know, phase of life. I don't know if I was probably the most professional <laughs> yourself mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah but i i can tell you that when i look back at that time because i had such an abundance of opportunities kind of it felt like the brinks truck backed up and <laughs> money into my backyard and it, now again i say this because that's not my life today and it today. wasn't my life like in my 30s you know i've had to work really hard and i'm grateful for any job i get now and but at that time, I got to experience my little 15 minutes, and it was, I loved, I had a blast, and 
I was simultaneously uh, self-destructing in a, a kind of pathetic way, you know, drinking a lot and doing whatever uh, destructive stuff I could. I think maybe I could not really handle my good fortune and felt mm -hmm. unworthy inside. Like if they really get to know me, if they really, they'll see I'm an untalented kind of ding dong student. Oh, wow. I mean, which is so sad. Yeah. I think of myself because now I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Why would you ever do that? But at the time, you know, I just, I, you know, look, we all go through our phases. Yes. Did you, yes. Did you have a phase like that? I mean, yes. You know, We've all been young, you know, yeah. and we don't have our perspective. And yeah. I can imagine being young and getting all this uh, success thrust upon you. And uh, you're kind of like navigating it yourself and, and there are new experiences. So I could absolutely see you like making or, or whomever uh, making choices that you wouldn't make today with a much more, you know, you know, you were kind of saying today, I think you're really working a lot today. I mean, what you what do you have csi vegas is that's oh yeah i did i did weird. yeah i did that season that killed me oops nope oh, yeah. don't spoil right i know right i did that season and i had a ball that was great i got to work with marga helgenberger and i've worked with her before so it was fun to see her again um but you're i mean i feel really good about my life it's just that um uh I, I don't know. I have a lot of joy in my life. I guess, you know, you have to go through things in order to get where you are. And today yeah. you know, I'm a mother of three, three grown children, you know, they're all doing well. I'm proud of them all. Great. I'm happily married. I love hiking in the mountains with my dogs. I love my friends. I love Southern California. So, I mean, you know, like my story has what I perceive to be a pretty good, solid happily ever after I even tell my students because i also teach mm -hmm. arts and also i'm teaching at ucsb this next semester but i tell them listen if i get hit by a stray bullet someday every one of you should know that i had a good run because i did i've had a lot of fun in my life it's been really... and, and it's ongoing i mean you were yeah. just in yellowstone uh you yes. did seven episodes of that cartoon that uh summer camp island i think oh yeah yeah that's fun yeah and you know i never got to see but i got i guess i could say that i've worked with um who is the guy who played my husband he's like a famous english yeah. actor I yeah and i could say like him. oh i've worked with that guy you know that's yeah. cool <laughs> in the virtual way right yeah i never got to meet him but you know he sure is good i saw him in red this play about rothko philip roth so i understand that you auditioned for phoebe on friends right oh that's the um yeah yeah i did that would have been great right that was um i tell that to my students when i talk about uh auditioning um I went to the network, which is like the final stage of the auditions, and it was me, Pam Avalon, and the chick who's Phoebe. What's her name? Yeah. The blonde, um, I, I, don't know. I know her as Phoebe, and every time I see her in another movie, I think, oh, Phoebe's branching out. I know. I can't you believe I can't remember her name. She's just obscenely famous and, and successful mm -hmm. and delightful, and everyone loves her. Anyway, she was there. And uh, I, I was.
was going to do like a whole, I had dyed black hair at the time, a lot of black eyeliner. I wore uh-huh. like black. I was going to do like a whole uh, Chrissy Hines kind of ding dong. You know, oh, the character yeah. was supposed to be kind of, but she did like a hippie thing. Anyway, rejection's God's protection, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a second or third place situation. And <laughs> You know, well, you know uh, how my life would have changed if I had. It would have, yes, absolutely. You know, it would have. Yeah. So, um, uh, last Brenda Star question. I kind of don't think it was on your radar the release, but there was years and years of waiting for this thing to release. Were you ever? I'm sure that you were moving on to other acting parts at that point, and you weren't sitting there going, "When is Brenda Star coming out?" Did you have any? Did it ever cross your mind when is this movie going to release? Good question. I will tell you that one of the things that I love about acting is the actual acting part, Uh, the actual sending and receiving and doing the thing and cut and makeup and hair and creating the characters. The thing that I'm not as much a fan of is the release, the uh, screenings, the interviews, the post-acting stuff. That stuff makes me... uh, I'm not comfortable with that. So the answer to your question is because I I have never been thrilled about the opening of a movie, nor have I ever carried a movie outside of Murphy's Law. But even then, that was such a Charles Bronson was such a strong draw and presence. It's not like they were like it's the Kathleen Wilson Howard <laughs> no. yeah. Charles Bronson movie, and right. so. Um, I could tell you that I don't have a consciousness. I don't care. I didn't care when it was released. I didn't, I, I like, I don't even watch. I'm also one of those actors. I don't like to watch my stuff. I never saw Oh, it. you're I one of those. Really? I don't watch it because I see like a chin on a butt floating around a screen, like in a voice. Yeah. I can't see myself with any kind of, I mean, I sometimes I will. Like I told you, I ended up watching I don't know how I got onto it, but that CNN interview of when I was in my 20s saying, like, I've never oh, really had to work hard for an acting gig. No. I'm like, oh, my God, what? But it was true at the time. It was true, it was at, the true time. at the time. I can tell you for that little tiny window. And I had a record deal and I was doing cartoon and movie. Yeah. I had a really good manager back then who I didn't treat very well and who really provided me with a lot of opportunities a, a man named alan summers and he um probably the one of many foolish moves i made in uh, retrospect in my acting career was firing him so. yeah yeah i got you and we will all have the you know you would want to go back and, well i don't know that you'd want to go back and change stuff because you turned out great you know well yeah we were describing things you know Right. So it did work out, I have to say. But absolutely well, I do have a few things of like, oh <laughs> really did you do that? You know. Yeah. I, I, I guess we all do and everybody does. Yes, but. it's really true. So yeah. I, we're about to do this countdown and watch this film together, but I still have one last thing. I would like to see your eyes. I hear that they're different colored. Can you show me this? I don't know. You are human, right? Oh, there we go. So 
Does that, do you, how do you feel about having different colored eyes? I'm sure nowadays it doesn't even cross your mind, but I mean, in the past, you must have thought, what's, did you feel like it was strange? I mean, it must have been, it's attractive in a way. It's different, it's quirky. I never, you know, you know, I just make jokes. I'm the girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, that doesn't have, you know. And a lot of times I'll tell people, I got two different colored eyes, and they look at me and they say, no, you don't. It's well, like, I've been trying to see it throughout the whole interview. I had to get up close, you know. Yeah, it's like one is brown and green and one's green and brown. So. Well, that's very unique. It's very, <laughs> you know, it's it's neat. <laughs> Okay, now, All right. now? Wait. we everybody at home is poised to press play at the same time we do here in the studio. So everybody's queued up and ready to go. So why don't you go ahead, Kathleen Wilhoyt, and give us that celebrity countdown. Three, two, one, go! All right, thank you, Celebrity Comedian Countdown, for that, that Celebrity Comedian happened. Countdown. Ooh, worst president ever. Triumph? Oh, it's a triumph, sorry. Do you I mean see Truman? Trump's name everywhere. Because he will be in this film. The worst president ever, Truman, Harry S. Truman, will be in this film. But now that we've got Trump, is it really true anymore? He's not the worst. Right, sure. Maybe there'll be another worst president. We'll have to wait. Brenda Starr, the cartoon show, the comic strip. I can't believe you guys made comic strips political. This is a comic strip that was in, um, well, oh, it was Day out of the Jeffrey Chicago Tribune. I'm out of here. You guys remember this from growing up, right? In the Sunday Funnies? Can I just ask about this? I, I, I'm not that smart. Like, I, I couldn't follow the, it's only three panels a day. <laughs> Nothing really happened, and and you don't read it every day, and you don't know. I always got lost, so you can really she was fall cute. She had like a tiny little nose, and I'd read. That. I'm always like, look out behind you, Mary Worth. <laughs> nope. yeah, I can't Mary tell them Worth. apart. Look out, Rex Harrington. Timothy Dalton was in this movie. Yeah, he this had is a career. A I mean, like, did you know it, he existed before James Bond? I knew he was in this movie. Well, he was in Flash Gordon, wasn't he? Yes. yes, he was. Yes. yes, he was like a famous British actor. So this is cute. Like comic book movies before Marvel, they really didn't know how to do them. So they always have to show the art itself, yeah, the like, drawing, right? The drawing because it's a comic book movie based on a comic book. Bob Mackie, nice. Well, he really is involved in his mouth. <laughs> look at that I know old, what's up with that. Um, look at that oh. old style, oh. you know, pencil sharpener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old-timey coffee, Rostin. Now, Timothy oh, Dalton start, started in The Lion in Winter, one of my favorite films. You guys you know were, that. Yeah, film. we talked about that film. He was the king of France. Come to visit. The, 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 car, the cartoon, the comic strip, the character he plays has a patch on his eye. So it's like yep. one of those movie magic to see the actual character in real life, even though he looks you know, goofy. Right, he plays Basil St. John, who was always a mysterious figure in the um, cartoon, in the com you know, comic strip uh, of Brenda Starr. Brenda Starr was a reporter, and that would take her on lots and lots of adventures. Now, the woman who writes for Brenda Starr used to get letters from reporters saying, this is bullshit! 
<laughs> my life is not like this at all. And she, she was like, that's why you're not in a comic strip. Right. Yeah, let's do a comic strip about you trying to pay your taxes. Now, and, we uh, got the calls. sound on mute, which is a big mistake because Mike always has the sound up. And what he's doing is he's insulting Brenda Starr. You see, he's taken this job. Oh, now you turn it on. He's taken this job because he needs to pay the bills. He's not a Brenda Starr fan, so he chastises her and insults her while he's drawing her. And she's fed up. Is she going to come to life in this panel? No. Bingo. Here she goes. Coming to life. All right. Look, it's the actual cartoonist. Oh, it is? I forget the name of the cartoonist, but that was his signature. Well, the cartoonist you might know is Dale, but it's Dahlia Messick. She was the artist and writer who created it. We're going back to the early 40s. Here she comes. Here she comes to life. What? This is like Cool World. Right. God bless you, Brooke. What? That's it. She's out of here. She, she went from cartoon to real life. Bingo. How is that possible? Buh, 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 fuh, fuh, buh, buh. Guess That's what? Me. We will never have it explained. It just starts like... We, we got to make a movie based on a comic strip. Oh, gosh, that's going to take a lot of setup. People are not ready for a comic book movie. We better have a preface where the cartoonist is drawing it during the opening credits. I mean, honestly, don't you think this is a better opening than a guy drawing a picture? Now, here's like, Green Acres, yeah. dude. Uh, he's, he's the top cop, the Green Acres. Eddie Albert? Mike, what's the name of the pig from Green Acres? Oh, gosh. Harley? Marley? Wait. Um, there was a fan club for that pig, too. Now, this Josh is our, our anyway. bad guy who's a gal. Okay, she's the riot. Okay, Josh go Gidding. ahead. What's the pig's name? Listen, I don't want you to blow this. This is the main and villain, okay? <gasps> he is a rival reporter, and she hates Brenda Starr. She looks like Brooke, like a blonde Brooke. Okay, now, I watched Green Acres on the reruns and everything, and I remember something about the pig was a big deal. Yeah. What, is, what was its name? That's the thing. Arnold? No. Arnold. Was it? Hang on. Siri, what's the name of the pig from Green Acres? Shashaka Moore. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's Adam's joke. Carl, you gave Mike credit for that? That's Mike. Mike. Well, he is a celebrity comedian. Yeah, Uh he is. Three, two, one, go. Get it together. That's how you do it, kid. Brenda has used her street smarts and her gumption and determination and tenacity to worm her way into a hostage situation, although she's not a hostage yet, because she wants to get the story and she wants to scoop lips. Lips What is is the story? Uh, You know, there's a crime going on here, and it's going to be in all the papers, and uh, Green Acres Dude is the top cop. I remember, so uh, our father, uh, Arthur, uh, speaking uh, with a journalist, and he used to come really home scary. after work. I'd say, How, how's work? He'd go, great. I was covering a story of a, of a, of a gun shootout, and mm-hmm. so I went into the room itself to cover it. And we go, thank God you're home alive. What journalist does that? Now, the artist is calling his boss. 
and saying, I don't know what to do. She's gone. I don't know what to do. I need this job. Yeah, we really don't need any of that. So right. he essentially says, if you want to keep your job, you'll get her back. And that's our setup for the leap that he's about to take. So she's in cartoon world right now. And in real life, the story is the cartoonist assistant has to find her. Right. In cartoon world. In right. world. The, the real cartoonist will enter cartoon world to pursue Brenda and convince her to come back. Even though his brother was killed by a tune when they dropped a safe on his head? Wrong movie. I will never order from Acme again. I don't care about two-day shipping. <laughs> Do not order from Acme shipping if Wile E. Coyote taught me anything. If you're an Acme Prime member, you can stream Roadrunner. Oh, someone had a nickname, Pastor. Pastor? Bedtime, and I go, ha ha, that's funny. Pastor bed. <laughs> Pastor then, bedtime, very but good. But there's Pastor Prime. I came up with my own Pastor Prime. Okay, so now Eddie Albert is seeing that she is now a hostage, and she's like, "Don't worry it's... about me, just shoot." They know it's Brenda Starr. I mean, <laughs> do they have like a monogram piece of clothing that can kind of identify her? No, her look. She was named after a debutante in the '30s who was hugely. So she had through this big party. She was on the cover of Time magazine, and she was. Her look is Rita Hayworth. I got gotcha. you. So weird. So she's named after a real person. So that real she's person named after gets... Brenda Frazier. Brenda Frazier was the weird. real life person, a debutante in the '30s. Very Brendan. Brendan Frazier. Got it. <laughs> and so Brenda. Uh, was the first name, and Rita Hay Hayworth was the look. Now, if you look up Rita Hayworth and then go to images, you'll see. Now, watch this. Watch how Brenda saves her own life. Oh, my God. She's a genius. Oh, Bam! my God. She broke the fall. Cold-blooded killer. I know this is 10 minutes into the movie. I, I don't know if I could just watch her ethically. She murdered her first victim. <laughs> All right, death she kill one. Oh, she's alive. Oh, and, and she's upset. These people are yeah, she blood. says, oh, yeah. perfect. Oh, great. That's really Thank good to know when you fall off a building. Those split seconds, move the body that you're holding to hit the ground. <laughs> it wasn't split seconds, Mike. Even though it was only four stories, it felt like four hours. It felt like four hours, time yeah. to Check her hair, flip them over, look at her phone. The credits of Iron Man 2 runs, finishes. Now look, who's this mysterious figure who was in the crowd? I don't know. <laughs> wow, he had, a, uh, he had a view to a kill when dun, he dun, killed dun, that dude. Dun, dun. He was hey, a surly was Bond. He was surlier than da Daniel Craig, right? He was like, ah, my wife is dead. I must seek revenge. Okay, now we have like, oh, Brenda's so popular. Everybody knows her. We're doing the Brenda Star rag. He's so popular. We wrote this song. I'm doing the Brenda Star rag. Right. Right. So nowadays, that it'd was... be a rap song. It would be featuring Brenda Star. Wow. Featuring Brenda Star. We've seen this black orchid. Did you see it? Yeah. What does that there mean, was... Carl? Well, this Basil St. John 
must eat a diet of black orchids. Everyone in his family must, or they go insane. And that's from the cartoon comic strip. Yo, no, was I'm that real? That. You didn't make that up? Yeah, the movie producers didn't make that up. That's right. No, I thought Carl made that up. Now look who he's drawing. Look who he's drawing. Himself. Drawing himself into the comic, and he's doing it right where she left off so that he can be hot on her trail. I can tell it's him now? because of the suspenders. Right. And this guy He's not a bad cartoonist. Here we go. Will myself into my work. What? Yeah, uh, he should have drawn himself on the ground. Right. right? <laughs> yeah, big lug. What yeah, wherever I can draw myself wherever I want. Inside this lion's mouth. <laughs> now look at his 80s pants, his like Miami Vice influenced light clothing. You wearing a mask? Yeah. This was well, this person. Okay, this is like our Jimmy Olsen kind of guy and our you know manly woman. Uh, oh, I know her. She's a friend of mine. Really? Uh, Kathleen. Oh, <laughs> you didn't know is that Kathleen Wilhoit? Um. Uh, I done. I did. Uh, yes, it is. Tell me more. Oh yeah, she's a friend of mine. She's actually on Proudly Resents a few times. Okay, uh, then let's send her with... to do the Celebrity Comedian Countdown. Oh, you'll def she'll do it in a second. She's so fun. That's so great. Do you yeah. want to do it? Do you know can how you to... some strings? We should be talking I'll, about this I'll off I'll just air. send her an uh, email and ask her. Or you can send okay. her an email. Okay. Super nice. Sounds good. And uh, super open about everything. Now, here oh, good. is rival... Here's rival reporter, and she's like, screwed her over in the newspaper claiming that I forget exactly what the story was. I've seen this three times. This was my fourth, but. Wow. <clears throat> Do we have closed captioning on this movie? Yes, always... it is available. You might have to stop the. No, <laughs> no, no. I think I got it. Good. So he's saying yeah. that she's working on a huge story, a huge story that Brenda will never be a part of. Look how, look at her. Feisty, Brenda. Feisty. Brooke Shields is, like, perfect for this part, right? Like, she looks yeah, perfect. Yeah. Now, this is 1986. She was at Princeton, and this is the summer break. She is Are in, you serious? Yes. She is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, filming this, and she'll also go to Puerto Rico to film this. Not bad. Yeah, that was a famous celebrity college uh, run. She stopped. Like, there's some people that are, like, white hot, and they're like, well, I got to get a life. I'm a young guy. Uh, yeah, right. So Elvis has got to go into the military. Yeah, so when she went to prison, it was a big deal. Like, oh, how God, can the they... biggest deal when she was there, it... yeah. Uh, I remember this com open mic comedian came on, and he, he said that he got a ton of attention because he went to Princeton and wrote an article, uh, How to Sleep with Brooke Shields. Whoa! Like a ton of pickup. I know. A dick move. No, <laughs> it's a great it. move. I'm I'm behind this guy. They published it. I would brush up. Yeah, and it got, I think National Lampoon picked it up, or he got a lot of attention. Okay, so the art artist has gone to the Flash. That's the name of the paper, looking Where for Brenda, and he just missed her. Now she is off of a big scoop, right? She was a, a part of the story as a hostage. So everyone's applauding her, and it seems like every time she enters the newsroom, it's always after a big story, and everyone applauds her. You know who's bitter is Clark Kent sitting behind her. 
Yeah. You know, Clark, you're never around when Brenda Starr's around. Shut up. <laughs> I'm here now, ain't I? Hey, Clark, how come you're not here when Superman's here? I'm here now, right? <laughs> okay. Skunk here Jonah is Charles. This is another big friend of our podcast, uh, Charles Durning. Oh, Charles Durning is great. Now, he, he storms in 